0: You know you want it. You know you need it. It's the secret affair of your heart. A Gentleman's Chat with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Welcome to episode 35. The numbers are ticking up, my friend. That
1: they are. I know. Never we're, down. We're, never down. Isn't that strange how that works? Uh, that's probably good. Once we hit zero, we'll probably boom. Right. It'll be over. Yeah. Should we
0: start a, a countdown? You know, once we hit 200, <laughs> it be 99. 98, and then people will know when the show ends. Oh, that'd get stressful we might. Yeah. But it's like a TV show. You know when you know it's the final season. Do you have a favorite TV show by the way? Do you have like you? What's your go-to favorite or like maybe favorite
1: movie franchise? Oh. Um It's a good question. Most of my favorite movies are independent movies. Like I personally I love V for Vendetta. It's a great film. I love a cult classic called Blast from the Past, but a lot of people don't like it so um it is what it is i enjoyed it profusely um i'm not sure cuz i have a lot but i'm not sure what i would list like the top top yeah
0: i find movies to be very difficult you know i have some really cherished ones like radio for example that one That's always gets me you know there's some other films like that they it makes you feel something right for me, it's easier to pick out a favorite TV franchise or like TV show. For example, I really enjoyed Top Gear UK with Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, and James May. It's now the Grand Tour on Amazon. I love that show. There's just something, you know, childish about about it. You know, that's really <laughs> enjoyable. I loved. Um, what was that stupid, low budget burn notice about the spy that got burned? And he lives in Miami. Try and he tries to you know. It, what he's effectively doing is trying to get back into the with the CIA. Um, what are they called? CSI? No. Crime. Team FBI. FBI. Federal C- Bureau. Of Investigation? Yeah, so He's trying to get in with the Feds again, right? CIA. The CIA. There. It okay, I gotcha. Yeah, intelligence agency, and um, what it ends up being is him just helping people along the way to come to him with problems and stuff. Huh. So I enjoy things like that. Um, those might be my my. Two favorite, but movies is tough. And movies I think if people pick tough. the big things. you like Batman, the the you know Chris Nolan Batman. Oh, the trilogy, really, trilogy.
1: really good. If I would have to pick like a trilogy, seeing as I don't have a lot anyhow, that probably would be my favorite as well. Right, those are really well done movies.
0: Yeah, and as much as I enjoy large scale projects like the Marvel Universe, for example, that's meant to be a very large scale undertaking yep. or star wars is nine different movies now i'm thinking of james bond if i had to pick a favorite uh, movie franchise it might
1: be james bond i love most of james bond but there's some of james bond i hate so i could never pick it as like my favorite (sighs) i don't know i especially respect the originals oh absolutely as we started peeling off from them and they did offs as well as i'm not a big fan of the craig um really trilogy now yeah, I it didn't really appeal to me as much. It hmm. seemed more his movie seemed more like a action movie over the classic spy right. novels that Bond are. They tried to make it too gritty and realistic and like 21st century and it I don't really see that working for James Bond. It kind of doesn't go with his character. I respect that. You know, I, as a huge James Bond fan, actually a couple of years back I watched all the
0: films in a row. And I kind of go back and do that every couple of years, anyways, just because I love the franchise. You're right. There's something nostalgic and suave about the Sean Connery films the 1960s films. There's something that's just silky and seductive about them. It's less a spy. I'm sorry. It's less an action film as much as it is this heroic spy guy going around doing spy things.
1: And it's just very classy. There's a classic to it. And every encounter he's in, he keeps his class, whatnot. Like, even back in the original Dr. No, um, there was never a point in the movie where any sort of anger ever broke his uh, demeanor or anything. It was all, he was in full control. He had the class, the pride about him, and it all
0: worked. Yeah, and I loved those films. I loved the ones that came after him, but when it got to,
1: like, the 90s, the guy that did, like, one movie, I forget his name now... I didn't enjoy I think it his. Was film. Alan something? It was the you're talking about the, um, model. Yeah, he wasn't an actual actor. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I, I hated that one. I
0: also, you know, for people that don't know, maybe this isn't interesting to you, but the James Bond franchise split after Connery because yep. he wanted to take a lot of creative control. So they, you know, the movie Thunderball, for example, was made twice by two different studios with two different James Bonds. Yeah, two different people playing it. So It was what, two different plots, too. Yes. Yeah, two very was, different plots. Yeah, it was very Yeah, so when separate. that started happening, it kind of lost it, you know? I actually really like the Craig films. Um, Casino Royale, which was the first one he did yep. in 2006, is very gritty. I mean, there's the scene with him stripped naked. The torture scene. And the torture yeah. scene that's very famous. If you don't know about it, YouTube it because it's very gruesome. And it was them trying to take it like gritty. And I didn't necessarily enjoy that. Also, there's only so much action you can get out of a, a premise of a game of, you know, um, Texas hold 'em. Yeah. There's only so
1: much you can get of a game of poker. Yeah. In the old Bond movies, how I saw it, the gambling and whatnot, it was always to show he's a he can compete with a high class society where he'll always beat them at gambling and whatnot. It was never a crux of any of the actual plot or story. Right. It's like Goldfinger with the um the golf scene. Yeah. You know, where he beats him at golf and, and that that whole and thing. And drops the Drops the beautiful, I don't know how many kilos of gold there. Right, right. It so chose. it pulls the f- pulls the putt. Yes, yes. That's pretty yes.
0: great. Um, the second one, Quantum of Solace, I enjoyed. What I like about the Craig films is that the storyline, you can see all the way through it. So like yeah. Quantum of Solace is telling a very similar story. When you get to Skyfall, which was the third one in 2012, there's a very clear story going on. So if you watch them all in a row, it's really good. I loved Skyfall. The cinematography was really good. The story It was a well-done like, movie. It was well done. And I think every time they do it, it gets better. Uh, Spectre, which is the one that came out in 2015, I just watched it
1: last week, and it's really good. Okay. I, you know, That's the one where he was in retirement, but he had to come back. But he came right? back, okay, right. Yep.
0: There, There is that suave seductiveness to it. His acting isn't very over-the-top. Right? He's very... You know, the character is very yeah. one note, and in a lot of respects, you know, very you know true. what you're getting from a James Bond film. <laughs> that is, they have a yeah. new one coming out in October that I'm jazzed to see.
1: Okay, but yeah, I I've never not I don't like the movies. I just don't see it as very Bond. Although, yeah, yeah. um, I think the first encounter I've ever had with James Bond when I was really little was the movies. But then before coming back to him, I actually read the books. Oh, the Ian Fleming books. Yeah. Yep, which is what they're all based on, or until. I think probably the 90s-ish, and then they, they branched out. They but, are largely based on them again, but I think they've run out of titles yeah, to go through. I think why they they started in the Craig uh, franchise of stringing together one coherent story throughout them is because they're all putting in place that Craig is the one 007. Right. Whereas if you read the Ian Fleming books, it's inferred 007 is we're just following... A single code name for that bond, it's not the same person every time. Right. So that's that's where I think the old ones they have a different feel to them because it's never inferred that this is like the same person doing everything. There's several different instances, and I think a lot of them are highlighted when you have breaks in the new actors, because there was the Connery into um I forget his name, too. I was trying to think the of it a second while one. ago. Yeah. And then, and then it's the Brosnan. I forget the middle guy. I do, too. I But there's, I like, tried three distinct ones. Yes. And they all actually have their own branching story where they're distinctly their own bond, but they all had the codename 007. Yeah. So I do like that aspect because we're not solely tied to one person. And I feel it brings an air of more believability. Because in the spy life, you can't live for 20 years, most likely, if you're doing all the dangerous stuff. Right. Someone's going to be replacing yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I, it's, yeah, I agree in a so, lot of respects. And I also think it's funny how, or I, or I sorry, I wish the movies would hint at that a little more. Yeah. You're yeah, like, the, hey, the dude replacing you in three months because yeah. what we're about to send you on is a complete disaster. And even if you make it back, you're set for life. That was your... That was your mission. Yeah, yeah. you go be with some gals on the beach. But what I enjoyed on the flip side of that with the Daniel Craig films, if I may, what I enjoyed so much is because they make it a one storyline, they show scenes of him getting done with missions, and the next movie starts with him on a beach with a gal. Yeah. But he goes back because it's the only thing he knows how to do. So that like vulnerability of like, hey, you did do it. You are set for life, but this is all you know. As you know, the James Bond story is that he was an orphan. The Bond family picked him up. They died, quote unquote, died in a climbing accident, (laughs) right? And then MI6 came in and took him. So
1: it's almost kind of cool to see that nodded at, though. Yeah, where he is a spy because that's what he was essentially not indoctrinated, but his entire education, his entire life bring up was spy That's all he knows. Yes. Literally all he can do. And from the point of young, he was never not in that environment. He never had, there was never like summers like, oh, okay, yeah, you can go out to this lake house or something. No, it was 24-7. He was always within this organization. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, maybe not TV show, but, and I probably wouldn't go back to them. As far as young adult novels, I think when I was in middle school, my favorite franchise—they actually came out with a young Bond franchise. I read all of them, which followed through him when he was still like a uh, young teen into his teens. Yes, that was a. Gr- those novels were phenomenal. I, I would recommend those.
0: I would one hundred percent recommend those. I read every single one of them. <laughs> I actually remember, you know, when I was younger, I would go hunt with my dad or something like that, and I brought for my week-long hunting excursion four of the books. And every day I would just sit there and read and read. It might be one of the only times in my life where I could not stop reading something. Yeah. It was one of those series where after one book ended, you
1: were genuinely sad. So you had to get the next one out. Yep, And I... There was never a time in that series where anything sort of mended together or forgotten anything. Everything was very vibrant and like set. To this day, I can still remember at one time, Young Bond was trapped on an island. And in order to escape the island... He had to go through basically a gauntlet of near impossible things. But MI6 bring up, he was intelligent enough. He thought through every possible way to beat this. And not only um, did he have to do it himself, he found out there was a young lady he actually had to bring through with this gauntlet of death. And it was... It was heart-pounding. I can't believe
0: you read those two. That
1: was just a great (laughs) great series of
0: books, man. It was a great series of books. really, really good. Yeah. All right, we can change topics now. (laughs) I think we've seen that one through its end. A couple weeks ago, I had promised uh, some more newspaper articles, and I have dug up yet
1: another newspaper. Yeah. They're harder and harder to find. Yeah, that's very true. That's why he's actually just... That was just index cards that he was flipping yeah, yeah. back and forth? <laughs> <laughs> this no. one is
0: from a little while ago, but its I think the story is, is going to be a, a good one for us to gotcha. read through here. This is from the doctor section again. The doctor question is, can you get all the collagen you need from your diet? Now, we're not going to answer this question because we don't <laughs> really care in a gentleman's chat. Yeah. yeah. But what I want to know is the, the other section, which is next to and in tandem with the doctor section, where... People write in for advice, the advice section. So here it is. It's named Affairs of the Heart. (laughs) Dear Annie, my husband had an emotional affair with his boss already starting good. He texted her, called her and tried to go out with her. She did not reciprocate. And as far as I know, kept it strictly business. He told her his feelings, but she told him that she was not interested He quit his job after that, but continued to text her, asking her to go out. She didn't reply. When I found out, he told me he just wanted to have sex with her. (laughs) What? I didn't pre-read this. I should have pre-read this. Oh, no, okay. And her not giving in made him pursue her more. Now, I feel in second place in my marriage. Would he still be here if she had said yes? What were his true feelings, written by Lost and Alone? Now, before we read the rebuttal to this, I feel like we should tackle at least some of these
1: problems, because from the from the perspective of the one getting cheated on or the one that's doing the cheating? Gosh, I don't know. Maybe both. It seems like both of these people need a little help, right?
0: <laughs> that is true. If you begin any write-in to you know, your local newspaper with, my husband had an emotional affair with his boss. You should stop right there. Because that sounds outrageous to me. That does sound a little bit outrageous. Here's my question to you, though. There is a difference between, technically speaking, an emotional affair and a physical affair. Clearly. right? One is where you're emotionally entangled with someone, but nothing physical happens. Clearly, this guy wanted something physical and didn't get there. And then, obviously, physical is, well, there's no strings attached. I was just wanting to have sex with someone
1: which is kind of what he admitted (laughs) exactly
0: what he admitted he was a he was a double whammy he had both things going on was it both though do you well do you think there's a difference in terms of badness
1: like do you think one is worse than the other uh depends so acting out on any type of affair scenario is always equally bad it is cheating on your significant other as far as emotional attachment You can feel emotion towards different people, and because it's emotion, we don't directly control our emotions. So if nothing is being acted on, but say you have an emotional draw towards someone, that's nothing. You can't do anything about that. I wouldn't ever fault someone for that. That's not their inherent doing. However, I would immediately make, if that was me, make the steps to distance myself from whatever I might potentially get emotionally entangled with.
0: Right, right.
1: I do feel, especially for men, because men are a lot more sexual in nature, um, if you feel any sort of draw aside from strictly platonic or business and any of your relationships outside of marriage, it is your responsibility, distance yourself, do whatever it takes to not have that temptation or anything potentially arise. I would agree with that
0: summarization because emotionally – if you're emotionally attached to someone – and I, you're right. You can't help it. Like yeah. Your, your initial emotional connection with someone, you can't help. Like when you and I first met, I wasn't like, oh, look, there's Ian and all these <laughs> thoughts on him. Right? Like that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. So I think you're right. But if you actively pursue emotional things – like if you're up late at night texting – and you're 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 actively pursuing that bond I feel like that's just as big of a betray of trust as sexual with relations yep. with someone i think there's a line yes. and I think the line is you know different for everyone and it's an irreconcilable line like the, once you pass the line of irreconcilability that's a word i promise <laughs> you know you can't go back I, I like the thing we read last week about the person that was cheated on 10 years ago and still can't get over it
1: yep yeah, I feel like there's there's that line. So, it's any breach of trust. Yeah. Once you lose trust, it's impossible to gain trust back. That's right. one thing. Once the water spills from the bucket, you can't refill it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, But I don't actually think this man had any sort of, based on how she's writing this letter, it doesn't seem to me he has any actual emotional attachment. It, no. This is not a sign of emotional cheating whatsoever. This is cheating pure lust it just looks like he's looking for a booty call this is just cheating this is just sexual yeah cheating he's trying to hook up with a mistress or a coworker, someone else now i wonder where that came from obviously we don't know reading this little bit that we've read probably what he told her
0: yeah but i wonder you know i i have a hard time believing that he immediately was like oh you know i have this sexual problem because i'm a man and now i need to go elsewhere like if you're married You'd think you would have found a way to reconcile that problem with your significant other, right? Hopefully. You know, I feel that's like... That's the ideal scenario. Yeah, I feel like there's a two-way street going on. You know, everyone has to be the giver and the taker at some point in yeah. a relationship. And I
1: I just wonder... Yeah, that's that's a rough topic, too. Well, <laughs> because I, it, uh, especially um, men, they they don't really have their sex drive ever go away at any stage. So if you're married for a long period of time... Uh, Ultimately, like I said, it is always up to the man to control his own innate desires. Of course. It does make it... It would be very difficult, though, say, if you're in... Your wife has never been sexual nature with you for 15 years or something. But also, you're still, because you're married, expected to be strictly uh, faithful to your wife and her alone. Right. That puts a lot of stress on a man.
0: Right. And I I bet... That puts a lot of stress on the relationship the marriage, in general. Yeah. You know, because if you think about it, you're right, it is up to the man. And why is it up to the man? Because you need to be playing to the lowest sex drive. Yep. You know, in any... Or the in, highest, in, technically. Well, if you but if you think about yep. it, if he's at the highest and she's at the lowest, it's, you know, is she going to come up? Is she going to match his sex drive? Y- yeah, no. Probably not. So it's kind of up to him to be like, oh, maybe... I should be taking steps to not yes. do that sort of thing. I think that's where that comes from. Yep. And he's clearly not taking those steps. Here's what the response was. <laughs> dear Lost. What your husband did, I know. That's a terrible sign, way to... sign. Lost and
1: Alone. Oh, uh, Yeah, but you don't write back Dear Lost. Dear Lost. You say, um, Dear, who it may concern, or some, something. I don't... Lost just seems a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Or Dear Found. That'd be it. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, Dear Found. I'm here for you. I genuinely feel like we should start
0: writing (laughs) this. All right, Dear Lost. What your husband did to you was a disgrace. Yeah. You have every right to be upset and hurt. Yeah. His intentions were enough for you to leave. You should seek help. uh, You should seek the help of a professional marriage counselor to decide whether it is worth staying together. Best of luck. That was pretty short and sweet. That was short and sweet. That's a cut and dry case, in my opinion. Yeah, I also can't really find anything wrong with that response. No, I think counseling, people look at marriage counseling or relationship counseling at all as like this, we've already failed, so we're going to try to piece it back together. <laughs> like it, It's like it's got this stigma oh, yeah. around it, which I don't understand. Yeah, I don't either. If you've already taken the time to get married, if you've paid the hundred and eighty nine refundable <laughs> dollars <laughs> you have had the ceremony for God and everyone else to see... Why wouldn't you want to take the step to try to fix the problem?
1: Yeah. I feel like the first step is going to counseling. So it's if you're true. going to counseling, you're better off than where you would be if you didn't. Right. So that's the first step step to rebuilding or it's a step to rebuilding.
0: I think people feel like it's this if we go like people will look down on us cuz we don't have like the perfect suburban relationship where we have five kids and we love each other dearly. Uh, But you're going to the one
1: person who never gets that story because no one goes to a marriage counselor and says, yeah, we're actually perfectly happy. Things Uh, are great. Never had a problem. Uh, Thanks for hearing us out. (laughs) I think
0: this is the problem. We talk so often on this show about like how relationship standards have changed over time. Yeah. And we've shed a lot of light on the, the differences. I think the biggest one, along with all the other things you've said, is people's inability to fight through those bad times. How many times in your relationship have you thought, man, this isn't going the way I hoped it would?
1: Or like, hey, this isn't exactly
0: as good as it could be.
1: Oh, no. My personal relationship has never had any sort of never had any argument, disagreement, never. flaw. No. No, no. We are both perfect in every way together. Mm. Yeah. So you're the one that's never going to <laughs> marriage counseling. Got it. Uh no, of course we've had problems. Everyone has problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think. <laughs> we've been together for like I don't know how many years. Years. <laughs> it's ooh, I don't know how long you've been
0: together with her either. It's been as long as I can you know, recall. Yeah, my years.
1: Head. So, but Several of course years. we've had problems. But if a single problem is gonna be a downfall of a relationship. Not really much of a relationship in the first place. <laughs> right. Oh,
0: so this was this was actually brought up. I was camping this past weekend for Memorial Day. And one of the conversations, we were playing this card game. And it was rating um, instances that happen in someone's life on a scale of 0 to 100 on a misery index. One of the questions asked was, you forget your wallet on the first date. Now, where would that sit on your misery index? For me, it's very high. It's like Same. an 80s. You know, like if you forget your wallet on the first date. 84. Yeah. To me, And I think the card was like 76 or something like that. It was Yeah, very that's high, pretty close. Very high. To me, it would be definitely mid-80s. Because, you know, and, and the people were talking about, um, well, if you forgot your wallet and they didn't stay with you, you probably didn't want them anyways. But on the flip side of that, I'm thinking to myself, hang on now. If I don't know <laughs> yeah. this person very well, right, and we show up to dinner, and this is my first impression, you know. And I'm going to go to pay. And I go, oh, I've forgotten
1: my wallet. Is that not the worst thing? Yeah, I would not stay with me. No, exactly. Yeah, if I made that mistake, and I was also the on the flip side dating me, say, if I was a separate person looking in this. I, there is no way I would fault that person. They have every right. If I was that person, I would not stay with me. Right. If I'm going there and I forgot my wallet, I will stand up. I'll shake their hand. and am said I'm really sorry. It was great to know you. You don't want to be with me. I forgot my wallet on the first date. <laughs> like that. That's that. Like <laughs>
0: people were talking like it wasn't that big of a deal. And I think you know later in your relationship it won't matter, right? Because if one if that if that's the one problem you have and that's what breaks you up, clearly it wasn't that good. Oh yeah. But I think there's a there's there's a two edged sword here. There's a difference between four years in and i forgot my wallet honey could you pay and the first time i've gone on a date with you so i've probably only known you a week
1: maybe and i've forgotten my wallet there i think there's there's that sliding scale that happens in there yeah and then that's something that i wouldn't actually worry about if i was married because once you get married say in wisconsin it's a 50 50 state anyhow it's like a joint session so everything i own is also hers so Whoever gives the card is giving from the same pool yeah. of money. Yeah, we're both. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But before that. Early on. It sets a precedent of who you are as a person. Yes. Even if that even if it's a one off. This has never happened to you before in your life. It sets a precedent precedent of who you are as a person. And for better or worse. it That's what is seen. So yeah. first impressions
0: are really crucial. That is true. You know what? I, it's, it really matters. And I've made some terrible first impressions on people because I come across much like I do on the show or maybe even worse where it's just all jokes and fun. Right. <laughs> and people just think I've got nothing else going on behind my eyes besides ridiculous yeah. jokes. Then, and in truth, obviously there is more than that. We talk about some very serious topics on this show. Um, so those first impressions matter. If you forget your wallet on the first day, and I know it's it's this thing like, guys shouldn't be expected to pay this, that, the other thing. At you can say of, that, but at the end of the day, if they are. <laughs> right, at the end of the day, whether you care about chivalry or not, there is um, there's a, a showing of who you are. There's a respect thing. If I go, no, no, I got it for you. Not only does it show, hey, I'm a responsible individual that can pay for this meal, right, so I'm responsible, I've got the money to afford this meal, but it also says, hey, hey, don't worry, I got, like, I got this team thing. Yeah. To me, it's, it's a team thing at that point. You know, if I ask, if I pay for mine and I ask you to pay for yours, that doesn't seem very team building to me.
1: Yeah. No. It, it seems like I'm after what this might give me, but I'm not after sacrificing anything i'm not after making this just us that's dude that is it i'm not after sacrificing anything exactly whereas if you're on the date and you're willing to pay in full that's because you don't see it as you and this other person you see it as you guys together and if it's you guys together you're just paying for you anyhow it's just the team you're just yes. covering
0: what's owed i think that's
1: now we've had a breakthrough now we're on it <laughs> We've gone from this poor
0: guy, poor gal, sorry, not the guy, the guy, <laughs> screw the guy. Ugh. That guy was a disaster.
1: No, don't screw the guy. No, nobody. That's no, what almost do. got him in trouble in the first place, I Billy.
0: <laughs> Listen, also, talk about this. This boss is a champion.
1: Very much so. Okay, this boss is a champion. Or he's just that much of a creep that it wasn't ever in the cards anyhow. Because it's never implied why she said no. Oh, good point. So there's one one or two ways. Either this guy is genuinely just a creep that she's like, uh, no. No, no, no. Or three ways. Second, she's actually a good businesswoman. Whereas if she's the boss, you cannot fraternize with people you are directly in charge for. That's very illegal. Or thirdly, she knew he was married. And morally, she's like, no, I'm. there's no way I would do that. You're married. Stop it. I do wonder that. Well, two of the three means she's a good moral right. individual. So, it's just one that's like, uh, no, you're kind of a creep. Well, that's... And he could be. I mean, if, if I'm... He is. If I'm chatting If he's married up, and, yeah, he's right, looking for a booty call, he's a creep. Exactly. If I'm
0: chatting up my boss at you know 11 o'clock at night while my <laughs> wife is sleeping next to me, kind of not a good look. True. You know? All right well I think we've we've seen that to its logical conclusion so I've got another topic now and it's in the forum of this ad read All right Ian, what do you got for
1: me for topic? <laughs> well I've been doing a lot of thinking this week. not much went on so I don't have any thrilling stories but then I got thinking what do what constitute a thrilling story and I sat there thinking and I'm like, most of the most thrilling stories people try to tell involve late night lost somewhere and they encounter a ghost and i sat down and started thinking i'm not sure how i feel about ghosts billy i this don't a good know topic. i don't know logically how probable or feasible it is that ghosts actually exists or don't i am completely undecided and i need your help today wow how do we work through this i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, well, we'll start (laughs) with the basics. Do you believe in ghosts? No. No, I don't. Okay. Do you? Like I I said, have you seen a ghost? I have not seen a ghost, no. I I haven't either. That's why I don't believe in them. But I am actually more prone to believe in ghosts when I sat down and really considered it. Because I am a biblical Christian, I believe what the Bible says. The Bible directly says and then many times nods at... Um, angels and demons exist all around us at all times. Like, they live in the same place. But we cannot directly, like, see or interact or have any idea about them. So that stands to reason that they're on some other plane, some other dimension, whatever you want to call it, but they are still here. Which also stands to reason that there could potentially be a way of interacting or... Converging this, so maybe when someone's seen, say, a ghost or something, maybe they're just seeing elements of the spiritual world or maybe a demon trying to hurt someone. Or I whatnot. think
0: we need to break this down a little exact- more because
1: yes. I think when you say, Do you believe in ghosts? I'm thinking
0: of Discovery Channel ghost hunters, you okay. know, where they set up cameras or they, yes, I saw one the other day that was on, they were in a graveyard. Some gal had died, some teenager. So they brought her a very similar to like the blue dress she was wearing the night she drowned in a car crash. And they were like trying to talk to her and reach her. And they set up all these cameras and Discovery Channel had all their cameras there. And all I heard were a couple leaves crinkle. And that was enough to like, oh my God, she's here. So I think there's a large difference
1: between are there ghosts and are there spirits. Okay. I was actually conflating the two because as far as I was concerned thinking into it. I also, inherently, I'm going to disregard no ghosts don't exist in the terms of this place is haunted and the ghost likes knocking over this bookshelf just to be a dick and does nothing else. It's like, (laughs) if ghosts exist, they're not knocking over a single uh, bookshelf in northern Maine just for the kicks of it every once in a while. But if something were to happen, say, if, if someone has an encounter with an entity they can't explain or whatnot, it could very well be just, uh, spirit, say, from, like, the angel or demon, uh, plane of existence or whatnot, but they don't, either they don't believe in that or they can't rationalize that way, so it goes into the encompass of ghost. Because technically a ghost, we don't know a whole lot about. It's just really something we can't explain but we know is not part of our world, per se.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen. As a guy who's watched a lot of Scooby Doo in his life, allow me to debunk <laughs> some ghosting things. All right, now, I I think that there's also a difference between ghost, like haunted houses, ghosts like this yeah. is like the haunted house of Maine or the haunted house in Wyoming. I think there's a difference between that and like Sasquatch. I also wrap into this category of myth. These sort of things, it's a placebo, you know, where you, when you walk into a place that you think is haunted, when that book creaks because the wind blows, it's a ghost. Yeah. You know, I think there's a large difference between um, a place being haunted by a dickhead that likes to knock over bookshelves and spirits that you're interacting with. Because you're right. The Bible speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit and how it influences our life and angels and demons and how they also influence our lives. I think that you need to separate the word ghost from like yeah, spirit. I think I think you know, American society has, has conflated the two because it's it's the unexplainable. It's like UFOs. Yeah. You know it's it's well do it's, you believe in aliens? It
1: I don't know. See that's where I was with ghosts. Because I thought that for aliens too because that's a, that's similar to ghosts, but that just means something something exists or there's life somewhere else it's in like the It's like UFOs. Infinite scientists. universes. You
0: know? Yeah. I've never seen a UFO. Most people on this planet have it. Some yep. farmer guy in the middle of nowhere, literally nowhere, with a crappy iPhone <laughs> is the only proof we have of, of a UFO? There's so many unidentified flying objects yep. that pass by this earth every single day. For those that don't know, the universe is literally expanding. Okay, There are billions of stars out there. There is Billions of pieces of matter floating around yeah. that we have the no universe idea. Universe is either
1: about. infinite or near infinite. If you don't believe in like, it is infinite.
0: Li- it is literally expanding. You know, yes. people think about the Big Bang being the creation of Earth. The Big Bang, really, if you look at it scientifically, was a thing that happened in the middle of our universe, or we think the middle of our universe. Yeah. And all it did was started pushing things outward. Because if you look at star systems near ours, other galaxies near ours, which you can do with a telescope and some math, you can find out that everything using the Doppler effect is being redshifted, which means it's going further away from us. Why is every galaxy going away from us? Because we're moving. Okay. That whole big, long explanation to get to this point. Do I believe in aliens? I have no reason to. Okay. I have no. What is your reason not to? Does it matter? Uh, If if you're innocent until proven
1: guilty, I need to have a reason to think you're guilty. And that depends where you're coming from, though. Like, I've always said, I don't think there's any aliens here. I do, though, say there is a high probability, if we're just taking math into the equation, that there is some form of life, so an alien, somewhere else in the universe. Yes. Yes. High probability, because... The universe is so many t- Like, I can't even say that high Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of light years of different planets, moons, anything. And there could be organisms that don't need any of that to survive. We don't know. So I think, at that point, there probably is some other form of life. Right. I also say probably the probability of ever encountering that life in the same scale of space also very infinitesimally small. Yes. So, as far as aliens, I would say they most likely exist. So, if you want to say the call that believer, I do technically believe in aliens. Here's why I'm down the middle on it. And why
0: I really have no opinion either way. I agree. Mathematically speaking, something lives
1: somewhere else. Yeah, because everybody really? likes to bring up... Well, it's like one to four trillion, however large the number is, chance that life on Earth started. And I'm like, yeah, but we are one planet and how many quintillion? Right, right. So mathematically, there's at least one that's either pretty darn close to ours or identical to ours out there. Right, right. And I do I think that we've like chatted
0: up with them? No. no. Have we seen them pass by in their wild spaceships? No. You know, um, are they here living amongst us as green people? No. What is true though, is that when the Lord rested on the seventh day, they didn't say what he did on the eighth day. That's true. You know, we like to think that we are the only thing out there. We're so egocentric in our positions on human humans as it you know, in general. Yeah. But what is more likely than not true is that something else started elsewhere. Yeah. You know, the good Lord may have made, you know, version 2 or version yeah. 50.
1: I say I, don't I say that a lot. That's yeah. because I've had a lot of pushback with saying that there's probably aliens. A lot of people from like the church community will say, "Well, how, how could you say that? The Bible never says anything about it." I'm like, "Yeah, the Bible doesn't say God doesn't tell humans a lot if it's not ness nece- nece- like if it's not necessary to the moral or spiritual foundation of that, everything yes, we know
0: that happens a lot in the bible exactly the Lord leaves out some information yeah
1: but the reason he leaves it out is because it's not pervy yes there is no reason for us to know
0: yeah you can't both believe in in a higher power being the holy spirit and then hold him at gunpoint for all the information yeah,
1: exactly and even with what we have there's a lot in the bible we cannot explain to this day right so with what little information he's given us we still have it decrypted at all And then I feel it's very naive of us to try to say our hound him for not giving us more. It's like, does it really matter? Let's say he made, he really likes puppies and made a world of puppies that are as intelligent as us somewhere trillions of light years away. Does that affect us? No. Would he need to tell us that? No. But if he did, it could have inherently hurt our society. Oh, for sure. Because then instead of, Um, our foundation being as it is spiritually and whatnot, then we might try to pursue searching for these other places he made and solely doing that, spend all our time on that, where it's almost certainly never going to happen. So the pursuit of that's kind of just damning to human civilization. I draw a very big parallel to the book, The City of Ember. Do you know this one? Uh, the novel series? Yes. Like the City of Ember, City of Glass.
0: Well, okay, so City of Ember, for those that don't know, yep. and um, what it is is a civilization that lives underground. Yep. Their creators That is what they're called, builders actually I think is what they're called, builders, yeah. built a, a city underground and they put humans there. And these humans have existed and lived in a world, you know, their streets, they're just like ours, they go to the store just like we do, Yep. But they don't have a sun. They have a generator that powers lights. And this yep. is what this is all they've known for 150 years or whatever. Well, the food runs out, they start looking for other people. I draw a very big parallel to the idea that you know if If that's all they had, if you only have this, you're gonna focus on making it work. Correct. You're not gonna start spending your time and energy elsewhere looking for a way out or looking for those other people. Because you don't need those other people. Specifically, specifically speaking, spiritually, you only need a connection with the Holy Spirit. You don't need a connection with the aliens five trillion exactly. miles away. Wrapping all of that into ghosts. <laughs> here it is. Is there more
1: is there a probability that ghosts or spirits exist? Something that does not exist on our plane, but does exist.
0: Yes. Probably. Okay. Much like aliens. If yeah, you think that's of if you think of probability, right? There are Seven billion people in this world. Yep, there are several cubic, mi- I mean millions of cubic miles of Earth. There's so much Earth that no one person has ever seen all of it. Exactly. You know, and then you're not even counting the stars, folks. If you don't remember, the Sun, the near, you know, the thing in, the, you know, that we spin <laughs> yeah, right? around, is several thousand times larger than we are. It yep. burns hydrogen at a rate that is stupid. All right, it makes hydrogen into helium. All day long. It's what it does. Yeah. Stars near us have so much pressure and so much gravitational force that they create iron out of nothing. Okay? So if you look in the large scale of the world and, like, things that you wouldn't believe happen, I would put spirits nearby. Okay. Do I believe in ghosts? Like, you know, Judy that's going to come mess with my lights in my house? No. Do I believe in spirits? Do I believe that the Holy Spirit is among us, or do I believe the angels and demons, or do I believe that maybe someone that's
1: passed has come back to tell me something? I could buy that. Okay. That is where I set up as well. But I also, I would mesh ghosts in with spirit because that's just what people who aren't uh, pervy to a spiritual will call them. Whereas I also, uh, thinking through this, I also didn't find... If you believe in basically any religion, there wasn't any religion I could find that doesn't follow this. Unless you are strictly an atheist, um, I guess, or maybe agnostic, you would have to believe that some sort of spirit or ghost world exists. Because otherwise, what do you, every religion either believes in reincarnation, there is some sort of other plane that your spirit goes to while you die. Those are pretty much the only two options for every religion there is. Right. If you believe that, it stands to reason there has to be another plane that is not on ours that you would go to. Every major religion and minor religion in the world
0: is trying to explain the thing that happens after you die. Correct. Every single one of them has come to the conclusion that there is something else that goes on besides the existence that we live right now. You live your 80 to 100 years and then something else happens. The disagreement is that what, what happens? How does that look? What is the thing? But But everybody has
1: come to the agreement that something happens. Yes. And I feel that's scientifically feasible as well. Yeah? I... Because scientists want to say, and this might be a little bit contentious, but strict scientists that are pure atheists say everything is strict chance, whereas the Big Bang happened purely coincidentally... Everything came into existence purely coincidentally. Natural selection happened purely coincidentally. Human civilization, and this is where I start to say, hey, that doesn't really make sense, also followed natural selection purely coincidentally. I feel there has to be something else to it. Because if you're going strictly natural selection in every other species, environment, over evolution, any amount of years, what are there's two characteristics of being able to survive. The strong are the ones who reproduce, the weak do not. And the strong are the ones who get all the food and better themselves. At what point would us, who we are deemed nothing more than animals, who derive from monkeys, why would we ever not follow that? We built a sense of morality. There is no conceivable scientific way to answer where morality comes from. And I think that's why you need every religion ever has to have some sort of spiritual, because innately, by nature, if I were to say, if I go out and rape 10 babies and then behead them, is that wrong? Every single person that is listening to this, every single person I come across would tell me that is wrong. But then if I say, if we are just numbers, if science, just natural selection, the strong survive and whatnot, what is telling you that that is wrong? How is that wrong? There is no, there is no detriment for me as my species to do that. None wow. at all. So what makes it wrong? Same with if I were to go out and rape every fertile woman I could see, that is actually technically better for the species because it's increased reproduction and increased reproduction, more offspring, yep. m- better for the species. But we know as humans that is f- factually, like objectively wrong. How would we know that in a purely scientific Way of thinking. I do not understand how atheists have a sense of morality.
0: I can't argue any of that. Really, <laughs> you know, I I think, I and I also think it would be hard for me to because I yeah, have also I, I know you're not an, an atheist. You know, it, it it's one of those deals where it's yep. bias on that one because and I've i agree. never
1: I've never been able to because I've talked to some of my atheist friends, but it's never something. I think any of them have sat down and thought about because a lot in life, I like to think of myself as a poor man's philosopher. I'll sit down and just critically think through why I believe something for hours on end. I'll just sit there and think like I'll s- take a walk outside and just clear my head. I cannot see how a sense of morality and strict atheism where you believe that no- nothing exists except pure chance and numbers, how those ever coincide. Here is my thought when it
0: comes to people that are atheists or claim to be atheists because there's a large difference, you know, between people that
1: Yes. the people that are lost in terms Most of... people I would not say are atheists, they're agnostic. Yes. They do not know what they believe, but they don't believe in strict numbers. That yes. th- like the way they live their life doesn't add that up. Right. I'm speaking strictly the direct scientists who say I am atheist. This is I think a lot of those people are people that grew up in a household where religion was
0: a thing and they didn't want to prescribe to it. That being, you know, they didn't like going to church and they they wrapped religion in with church or they had a bad experience there. Or, you know, their parents were super into it so they didn't want to be Or You know, I have a hard, you know, the people that say I have a hard time believing what what the Bible says because it's just people that wrote it. These sorts of things. I think a lot of those people fall into the I'm an atheist thing because it is it, – it takes a lot of pressure off of you or the agnostic thing. It takes pressure off of you because if you don't have to sit down and critically think this is what I believe and why I believe it or if you don't have to challenge your own thought of, you know, the Bible was written by people but the Holy Spirit helped them. You yeah. know, if you don't have to sit down and critically work through some very large and frankly hard to believe things – yes then it's easier to just say, I don't believe in any of it, or I don't know. Yeah. Because what they're really doing is saying, hey, if someone proves it to me, and if some farmer with a shitty iPhone walks up to me and proves it to me, then I'll buy it. Then I'll drink the syrup. Yeah. But I'm not going to take the initiative. I'm not going to pay for the Lord's lunch. Exactly. Is what they're saying. I'm not willing to go on a date with the Lord and pay for his dinner. Yeah. And I'm not just... i would saying the Lord because it's, it's what we both believe in. Yes. Any religion anywhere. Any any spiritual religion. Yep. That's that's what they're saying.
1: Yeah. I think fundamentally that's where ignorance is bliss comes from. I, I don't think not knowing a bit of information is where that comes from because that doesn't really make much sense. Say, I don't know uh, spiders have eight legs. That's not really... There's no sort of bliss involved with that. That's not ignorance is bliss. I think that saying came from people who thought this through and it's people who are unwilling to think through their own either beliefs or ideology because if you never sit down and think through why you believe what you believe ultimately you're just veining ignorance you're choosing not to you're choosing not to challenge yourself you're choosing just to go with whatever you just come up with right which is the ignorance part you live in ignorance you're never challenging yourself you're choosing to be blind that way you can be happy you don't have to worry about it this is very similar to what we said a few weeks back when we're discussing the
0: um promiscuity and you know you need to understand what you believe and why you believe it before you can make a decision on something this is very much in that yeah it's just a broader context yeah this is a a wild topic change but speaking of ignorance get a load of this (laughs) so i'm camping right and it's cold out and I'm with my better half and her family, particularly mother, father, and grandparents. And uh, it was it was 36 at night, so yeah, very it was cold, very cold, very very cold. Um, but the grandparents have a really nice camper, pull behind camper that's heated. They didn't want to stay there at the campground. They wanted to go home because they live fairly close, 20 minutes maybe, because it was just too cold for them. You know, they're in their 80s now, and they they just can't handle the cold the way you yeah know, us young people can. So they went home, but we decided, my better half and I, that we'll stay in the camper because it does have heat in it. I mean, it's heated at yeah. seventy degrees, seventy-five degrees, whatever, and it's got heated mattresses and all this sorts of stuff. Um, so we we get in there, and it was cold. And, you know, the the ends where the beds come out is just canvas. Yeah, so, so cold air seeps in, You know, um, seeps in. But when we were leaving, her grandma was showing us around. You know, this you know, this is where the beds are. This is where the water is. The bathroom. All these sorts of things. And she she leaned over and said something to the effect of. Uh, you can uh, make a mess, but or don't leave a mess. <laughs> oh no! Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's something. The fact that you know, don't don't leave a mess. Clean up your mess when you're done or whatever. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, how how was it said though? Did she mean like chips? No, no, she yeah. didn't mean chips. I tried to give a. Because <laughs> the sentence you? after that, I was like, who do you think I am? She's like, ooh, I. I don't even want to think about that happening. I don't even want to think about it in my... I was like, you brought it up!
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to think about that <laughs> happening. By the way, I already thought about it. How do,
0: you, how do you make the sex joke and then like cringe at it? You're the one that made it. How does that work?
1: Ooh, how <laughs> oh, demeaning did that feel?
0: Gosh, dude, they I... thought
1: was, you would do that with her parents was, in
0: there. Her parents weren't in there, though. That's oh, the thing. Oh, okay, okay. Her parents were in her own camper. It was just her and I in the okay. grandparents' camper. So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> You red right in the face doesn't even begin to describe what I was feeling. Ooh. I mean, just just ghost white. Like did I can't. The, was there any awkwardness on their side afterwards, or did they just no, fall moved, through like nothing happened? Moved on. She's like, "What? Oh, I don't even want to think about it." And just change the topic because she was too <laughs> she too too uh, got bound up by Ooh. it. She just couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's it's just freaky." It wasn't the only weird thing that happened either. It took. Okay. It's such a fun camping trip. My better half is going to hate that I'm only telling these parts of it. So, <laughs> the next night, we're back in the regular camper, right? And it's heated in there, too. It's Heat's cranked up. It's nice and warm. <laughs> her dad comes in. If anyone remembers, like, ten episodes ago, I told the story of the time when her dad walked in on the two of us, which was a very true story, and I recommend you go back and listen to it. A very similar thing happened because we're all, there's five of us in this camper now. Her parents, the two of us, and her sister. So I'm attempting to sleep, and I'm under the I'm under the blanket, right? And I guess part of my back was showing or something because I hear her dad get up from across the camper, trapes across, and pull the blanket, tuck me in like he's tucking me in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? What's happening, dude? I, and I and I I was so tired, and I was it was late, probably early in the morning at that point. So I thought it was a dream, right? I was I I thought it didn't happen. I woke up the next morning. and said, Hey, did your dad tuck me into bed last night? And she went, No, that didn't happen. I was like, Am I losing my mind? What happened here? Was this just some weird, sick dream I had? So I was asking people. Like I I asked her mom, I was like, did did he come and talk me? Like, no. Everyone said no. So finally, I asked him. I was like, Did you tuck me into bed last night? Like or like pull the cover yeah. underneath so I wouldn't be cold? He said, Yeah. You look cold. (laughs) He said, yeah, my wife stole the blankets from me and my back was showing. I was freezing. I saw you over there looking cold (laughs) too, so I thought I'd help a brother
1: out. (laughs) That's like the most fatherly thing ever. It's like the rooster and one of the chicks is like untucked in. It's like, oh, it looks cold. I'll tuck you in. (laughs) I
0: didn't know what to do or what to say. You know, on some level, it's like, what happened here? But also it's like, like... Thanks. thanks thank you <laughs> exactly it was a little chilly come <laughs> to think of it thanks for getting up and and just pull the blankets over me and really yeah. making
1: me feel good about that was a myself. sweet
0: gesture no kidding right i mean yeah. it it was a strange gesture don't get me wrong but a very very sweet one
1: yeah it's one of those things that in the moment
0: might feel very awkward after the fact it's like yeah that was a nice thing to do that <laughs> man has got my
1: back exactly you know, has got my back <laughs> just sitting there my back's cold Oh, his back must be cold, too. Yeah. Give that a little tuck. Give it a little hospital dude, tuck in there yeah. so you don't come out again. <laughs> I, th-
0: I, Dude, all day I thought I was losing my marbles. I thought I was tripping balls. I was like, everyone I asked said, that didn't happen. Why would he do that? They thought I was the crazy one. And eventually I asked him and he was like, yeah, you look cold. Was, Thank God. And
1: now you two are the only sane ones because everybody else is like,
0: what? Yeah. The best part really? is, you know, there was one big blanket between her and I. Yep. So I'm sure when he when he stole something to cover me, it uncovered her. I'm sure of it. I had to have, right? <laughs> just to rub a little salt on that thought. You know, I had to have done that.
1: That's like the classic uh brothers before sisters, right? We'll say it more right, sweetly. Right. <laughs> and
0: you know what the biggest problem was? I kid you not, thirty five seconds later she rolled over and stole the whole blanket away from me again. I just I couldn't win. I just couldn't win.
1: Ah, uh, but he tried.
0: He did. God That's bless the moral him, of the man. story. He tried. He did. He did. Can you believe that? I can, yeah. If I wasn't half asleep, I don't know what I would have done. Like If I was wide awake <laughs> and I watched him traipse over, I don't know what I'd have done. I don't, know. I don't know if I'd put my hand up to stop him. If I'd have put my arms out like, go for it. I don't know what I'd Oh, I don't know what I'd have done. Oh, just like her grandma. I still don't know what the correct response is. You know, just like, don't leave a mess. That one rings in my ears. Just okay. Uh, who do you think I am? Was what I went with. Just, I won't. It, I. <laughs> I always clean up. Like I don't know. Like what do you <laughs> say? I <laughs> would go. What do you up. always say? I'm uh. A
1: cleanly person. You know. Yeah, I would. I would have probably been a little bit witty with it too. It's like, yeah, I suppose I can start now. <laughs> Ooh, that'd have been a good one. That yeah. would have been a good one.
0: I should maybe bring that one up later in life. You know, I just <laughs> hold on to that little rebuttal and see yeah, if s- nugget of sneak it in wisdom. somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, creepers, creepers, dude. Uh, do you, does a, your family go camping oh, a lot? I know for a while, yeah, you guys almost do, every yeah. weekend.
1: Yeah, although my family, my parents. Um, they own a, like, 27-foot camper and whatnot. They take the 250 out, and they go camping quite frequently. Most of the time, my youngest sister, I think she's late middle school, 8th grade, maybe freshman. I don't know. One of those, uh, <laughs> Sarah, if you are listening, that was a call-out to you, my only youngest sister. Good <laughs> on you for being in 8th or ninth grade. Yeah, she has softball <laughs> She's in, like, a state softball league, so she travels all over. Um, and instead of getting hotel rooms, they go camping instead those weekends.
0: I've always thought that's a much more efficient way of traveling. Oh,
1: yeah, much cheaper, much nicer. They get their own little place. Do
0: you find having a camper that's that big to be camping? They're like, what is your definition of camping? It
1: depends. I. It depends what you're going for. Like, if I'm just spending a week out, say, at a campground, the camper, it's basically like a cabin. Yes. Uh, especially one that large, because it has a master bedroom that separates. It has its own fireplace and kitchen and whatnot. It's, it's full. Um, it's bringing a cabin with you. So if your idea is, if you were to go to a cabin somewhere and enjoy that long, Camper's completely fine. If you want uh, more raw experience where you're going to go hiking from point A to B, there's no real way to bring a camper, and that's like true camping, or you're going, say, canoeing down so many miles of river or whatnot. At that point, I would just tent it, or if it's going to be nice out, because tent, really all that's there for is the rain. Right. Or I guess some bugs. Um. But I just sleep outside at that point.
0: I've changed my mind on camping over the past few years because I grew up, you know, when you go camping, that means there's a tent. Yeah. Or when you go camping. You might get the Thermalake pads, the little. I didn't have that. You didn't get those? No, absolutely not. Oh. Or when I go camping, that means you don't have a tent. For example. Yeah, a sleeping bag. Right. You have a sleeping bag and the stars is what you have. And those bugs, they're all there. I did an initiation thing. It was a part of a Boy Scout thing where that's what we did. There was an Indian chief that walked us out into the woods. I'll be back for you in the morning. And that's what it was. You, you had... guys got to keep the fire going. No. You didn't keep the fire going? There wasn't a fire. Oh, that's how you get rid of the bugs though. No. Couldn't have a
1: fire. You weren't was... allowed to make a no, fire? No. That's weird. It was 9 o'clock
0: at night. It was you sit here
1: and I'll be back in the morning. That's really weird. Yeah. Every time I've been camping, like if I sleep outside, I would always make a fire. That's how you get rid of the bugs I and would everything. normally yeah. I would
0: normally, but that wasn't an option here. Oh it was okay. sit there and take it, basically. So I've done For a lot For what purpose? Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I've done a lot of camping under the stars or you know, if you camp in an igloo or if you you know when it, you know when it rains out, the Saint Croix River decides to come through your tent. Yeah, you know, I've had yeah. a lot of terrible experiences. Hence, how is water like crazy? Right. So, as I've gotten older and I've had all those experiences, I don't need to have the thrill seeking, yep. sleeping in a tent, one person tent experience anymore. You know, if there is a, a camper that's like a pop up camper where there's a little, uh, just a designated space for you to sleep, I'm down for that. If you've got a kitchen that has an island with a freezer and fridge yeah. that has liquor in it, I'm there too. You know, if you have a heated mattress, I've decided over this past weekend, I'm down for heated mattresses yeah. when I'm camping, because I've done the roughing it stuff. I've done the we're gonna go on a hike or we're gonna go on a canoe trip or we're gonna go suffer. I'm too old to be suffering. Yeah, when I don't have to be, It's exactly what my parents' sentiment was. You know, if if it's a designated thing, like you and I, for gentlemen's chat, we're gonna go gonna go on a canoe trip. Okay, yeah, that's what we're doing. Sure. But if I'm going to some campground where I'm paying 45 bucks a night. and If you're some, at a
1: campground, I would always get a camper.
0: Yes. There's some dude 30 feet from me who's got his firing, who's talking up till one o'clock in the morning. Yep. That's
1: why you're needlessly roughing it. You're needlessly hurting yeah. yourself. You're not in nature. You're in a campground. That is true. Campgrounds are for campers. Right. I would never bring a tent to a campground. If your place has an electric hookup, you don't need a tent. I agree with that as well. Yeah, anything that's designated like campgrounds or a lot of campsites, I would bring the camper. I would ask my parents. I don't have a camper of my own, but I'd ask my parents, hey, can I use your camper this weekend? And that's why it's hard for me to to define camping.
0: Because, you know, if I'm out in the wilderness, that to me is camping, right? You know, where you've got a fire and you've got a tent and you're hiking or whatever you're doing. That's camping. If you're at a campground, the rules of camping have changed yeah so it's a, it's for me this is who, who cares about this but to me this is a slippery definition of camping because there is such thing as glamping which is glamour camping the guy that rolls in the 75 foot motorhome oh the rvs yeah those set, things are you know oh. the ones that have a car underneath it that's yeah. four million dollars that is not camping no in no definition of the term you roll that into a campground and what you've done is gotten lost yeah, because you need to be
1: somewhere else other than this campground. Uh, I've thought before, for people who strictly like traveling, like if I want to go see, if I just want to travel across the U.S., for instance, or Canada, and that's what I like doing, and see national monuments or different national parks, I would actually live out of a lot of RVs, because oh, if for you sure. if you're in those. They are smaller than a house, but a lot of times they are nicer than a house. Especially if you get one that is short enough where you can travel with it. Yeah.
0: I'm not talking the 75-foot you know, bus. Those are basically just houses. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you get something smaller, let's say like a 20-footer or something even smaller than that where it's all the amenities, but it still gets more than seven miles to the gallon, Yeah, that's the thing, man. Yeah. It's its own self-contained little... You don't need an extra truck to pull it.
1: You just get it and drive it. Yeah. And it doubles as your home. So then you have a home. I would say the only expense with that is usually every five to 10 years, you do have to get a new one. You'll have to like trade it in because they will.
0: They wear out like fast.
1: vehicles. Yeah. They wear out fast. <laughs> yeah. We're a little faster than vehicles
0: too. Cause there's, especially if you put a lot of miles on them. Yeah. You know, if you're a grandma and grandpa and you just bought one and you use it three times a year. Okay. You're going to make it's it the rest fine. of your life. Yeah. But if you're the, Guy living out of it, and you do forty thousand miles a year. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need a new one in six exactly. years. Exactly, you know, one of those sorts of deals. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground on this show. <laughs> we've
1: we ghosts bounce all over there.
0: We know those are there. This poor guy on this newspaper article. Poor gal or oh, poor gal. Sorry, I said yeah. it wrong
1: again. Yeah, darns. Billy's siding with the guy. You guys can send hate mail yeah. to a gentleman's chat at gmail.com.
0: No caps, no spaces. There <laughs> it is. Thank you very much for listening to episode 35 of A Gentleman's Chat with your hosts, Ian and Billy.